you should repeat this. Yes, folks, it's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, which means this must be... Happy Friday Eve, and it's St. Patrick's Day. It is. You know, I forgot completely about that. I am not wearing anything green. <laughs> Just as well. Do you know what happened? I had on a green shirt, and guess what I was told? What? I had to go change, because when I wore green with a green screen. That's right. I did wear a green shirt one time, and you couldn't see anything except my head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm back into my Molly made pink, which is totally fine. So uh, here we are. I do have on avocado earrings, which you probably can't see because those are green. But I'm just wishing I had a green beer because then I could drink it and no one would know. <laughs> that is a great idea. Why did I not think of that? I know. Well, I should have planned. Nonetheless, all of our Irish friends out there, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patty's. <laughs> I, am, I am glad to live in the city of Chicago where every year we get to watch them dye the river green. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I'm told that it's not bad for the environment. Let's pretend, but I would never eat a fish out of that river yeah. after it's been dyed green. My son actually got to go out there for a St. Patrick's Day parade when he was in high school with his band, so he got to see the Green River. It was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, let's talk about word on the street. Hot topic for everybody right now, mm-hmm. and uh, that topic happens to be over hiring. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about it on the show, and, and Karen is actually, if you are a franchisee and you would like to come to our uh, Lunch and Learn tomorrow at noon, um, look on our social media. There are all kinds of ways to sign up to come to, and uh, LinkedIn has a sign-up form. Um, yeah. But she's going to be talking about how to find the right people for the right roles at the right time. Um, and this is kind of a, a little preview to that, because there's a, a an article on the IFA website about how you can increase your applicant traffic, which everybody right now is trying to do. Oh, my gosh. As you know, my whole morning was spent um, talking about how do we utilize social media just to get the word out, because that's Mm -hmm. where so much time seems to be spent. And, you know, one of the, the big things on here on this list is to advertise jobs on social media. And they say 79% of, of job seekers use social media to search for jobs. And 73% of them 
um, before, between 18 and 34 found their last position via social media. Yeah. Well, and, you know, people are doing a lot of creative and innovative things on social media. We've interviewed Mandy Rowe from Chira She's built quite the TikTok following um, and Instagram following on her personal account, but she uses it for work. And she just randomly mentioned that she was looking for someone at a certain location and hired someone because she mentioned it on TikTok. So then she decided that she was going to do a lot more um, recruiting on TikTok. So even on platforms like that, that you think of as being younger generational and and not as as substantive are turning out to be places where you can find people. Well, you know, as I was telling you earlier today, when we talked about doing some of these for for my Molly made business, um, Mm -hmm. first of all, let me say, I think that it is amazing for a franchisor, first of all, to recognize that and now she can do it across, not just for one location, but for many. Mm-hmm. And when you use the power of a national marketing committee or national marketing fund to do that and send a big consistent message, there are just so many more resources you have to do something great. I think that's fantastic. And Mandy yeah. is, is a great lady. Secondly, you know, some of the data that you and I talked about today is that 60% of those TikTok users are between the age of 20 and 49. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the age range has broadened. So what happens is yeah. we, us older people stick to what we know, which is Facebook. We are more familiar with Twitter and LinkedIn. But as platforms grow, they broaden in their, in their reach. So the yeah. audiences are becoming older on Instagram and TikTok because that's where you're finding, like, some of these QSRs that hire a lot of teenagers are going to find them there in those places. So you have to go where your audience is and who you're trying to reach. So you can't discount that TikTok is just for, you know, 16-year-olds. That's right. That's right. And one of the other things is to rethink your job requirements. And I'll tell you, one of those things, you know, um, our our guest brought up a point that I will reiterate when um, we interview him today. But rethinking your job requirements for me and my business we could choose to work weekends, but we choose not to. We could work evenings, but we choose not to. And so I think that when you're looking at, as a business owner, and you're looking at hiring people, today the, work, the workforce has spoken very loudly that they're looking for something more than a paycheck. And they're not looking to sacrifice all of their free time working. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be something that people need to consider. Yeah, I mean, making making your work schedule and workload palatable for people is, is certainly important right now. Another thing that the, the IFA article talked about was making your application process convenient. It needs to be quick, it needs to be streamlined, and it needs to be um, mob- done for your phone. You need oh to my optimize God. it for your mobile because everybody is doing everything on their phone these days. And if you have to go to the computer, you're going to lose some people. Well, and that's, that's so true because think of how many people don't have computers at home. Mm-hmm. Or like my kids, they have their iPads for school, right? And they're not really supposed to be out there, you know, looking around for jobs and stuff, but they live by their phones. Mm-hmm. And I have a computer here at work. I have a computer at home. But a lot of what I'm doing, I want to do it while I'm waiting in the parking lot to pick them up. I want to do it while I'm, you know, somewhere waiting and man, do I get mad if I can't access it on my mobile. Yeah. So we're doing ourselves. Well, and you know, if you're not in a city like Chicago, um, where I live, Savannah Fort, there are pockets of rural areas. Like I can drive two minutes and see cows and horses, and then I can be two minutes more and I'm at the mall. 
Sure. So we do have some broadband access issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't always remember that it's still, there are still places that people <clears throat> need to work that don't have the access that, that most of us have. So 75% of hourly job seekers are looking on their phones to apply. And I actually have a little story. I, there was a little boy around here who had been kicked out of his home because he was LGBTQ, but he uh, had a phone, but he didn't have a computer. He didn't have access to internet. He probably had limited data. Uh, but he worked at Domino's, and he was a hardworking kid just trying to make his way completely on his own at 19. For people like him and people who struggle to make ends meet, computers are an issue. So making sure he did have a phone, you have to be able to call into work and to find jobs and all those things. So I think that's something important to remember when you're looking at hourly workers, that you have mm-hmm. to really be where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing that they talked about is making sure that you advertise your open positions in store. So mm-hmm. if, whether that's a restaurant or an actual storefront, um, you know, make sure that people who are shopping there also see that you are hiring. And make sure, you know, this is a really big one. And I, I don't know that everybody understands. Certainly, if you're the business owner, you understand what a dire situation we're in looking for help. And you understand how if you don't have the help, you can't service your clients. But for the hiring managers and such, being able to make that call, reach out, make that contact, and getting people in and hired, get that hook right away, is so critical because if you don't call them, two other companies already have. And so mm-hmm. you can't sit around and let those applications collect even a bit of dust because if you do, they're gone. Yeah. They get multiple offers right away, and they will be gone super fast. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have seen more businesses advertising in-store and in the drive-thru. We, we mm-hmm. actually went through the Taco Bell drive-thru today, um, and there was a QR code outside mm-hmm. that said, we're hiring now, and then it had text, you know, 21010, whatever, to this number, or here's the QR code, and you can scan, and it'll go right to a job application. So I think that's becoming more and more prevalent, that yep. where they're just trying to make it with a click of a button, and you can get straight to their careers pages. Yep, absolutely. And for for companies that are out there, and you own multiple locations, if you can take advantage of applicant pooling, that's great. So it, again, you know, your, your location, Elizabeth, is very different than mine. I'm in Chicago, big metropolitan area. But if somebody applies to my location, they could also be applying to five other locations that are very drivable. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, we use a co-op here. It's great. Use your neighbors. Um, you may even be able to use a, not a competitor per se, but a like business mm-hmm. um, that you could share applicants for. Hey, I, they don't work for my business, but maybe they work for Sean's business, right? So yeah. things like that, really, we're just kind of working towards the, top, the common good and trying to get more people back to work. So Absolutely. again, this week, we have your word on the street. And again, it's all about making sure that we are using the tips for increasing franchise applicant traffic, and there'll be more available with Karen tomorrow, right? Yep. She's got some great stuff. I'm excited about it. We've got a a good sign up going. So if you're interested, go on our LinkedIn and sign up on our event there. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. So speaking of Taco Bell and uh, other young brands, we've got a a great guest today. I, I love his story. It's very inspiring. His name is Sean Sharif. He's a first generation immigrant from Pakistan. With no money in his pocket, he set out to come to America where he had no family, no friends, no business connections. Uh, Through hard work and perseverance, at the age of 17, 
he got a job at a local KFC in San Fernando Valley. Uh, with no previous higher level education, he worked hard, worked at that KFC, learned the ropes of the restaurant business. Um, and then it harkens back to his grandfather, who was a restaurant owner in Pakistan, and Sean decided that uh, he wanted to continue that legacy. So uh, after 35 years of hard work and dedication, and definitely with some struggles, he is now the proud owner of KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, and Habit Burger, um, a lot of which are in the Universal Studios in California, um, along with some KFCs scattered along Southern California. So, Sean, welcome to the show. We can't wait to talk to you about your story. Oh, my gosh. Yum, yum, yum. That's all I can say. Even though it's yum brands, right? I mean, you have some really, no pun intended, but delicious brands that everybody knows. Exactly. Everybody in the world. They know the Colonel's face, they know the pizza box, they know the bell from Taco, and then the Habit Burger. Yeah, absolutely. So so tell us, I mean, your journey, I, I, the, one of the opening lines I read back in August when they wrote the article for you in, uh, I think, Franchise Times, was that your first job was working 50 to 60 hours a week, and you kind of were getting tired, so you switched over to an insurance company, working nine to five. <laughs> And then you realized, like, you had nothing to do in the evening. So yeah. you had to go find a second <laughs> job. You know, like like uh, Elon Musk has said, and I quote, um, you can't change the world in a 40-hour work week. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. When, when I was working with KFCs, like, I was young, you know, my friends just want to go out on weekends. And I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm working until 10. And then, you know. 17, 18 years old, you're still going to go out. Yeah. And, you know, and then it was kind of like, okay, man, you know what? It's too much work. I need to do something. And I got a job at the insurance company. <laughs> and I worked there for a month. And I'm like, dude, this is boring. It's 530. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I, you know, so a friend of mine said, hey, go work at Domino's. Then they pay you hourly. Plus they pay you gas and everything. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? There's no such thing as paying for gas. He goes, yeah. <laughs> This is back in like the the mid '80s. Yeah. And well, I'm I'm kind of surprised you don't have a Domino's in your portfolio right now. Um. Yes. Exactly. I kind of like grandfathered into the Pizza Hut when I took over Yum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so tell me, what is it like having four different brands but all under one umbrella under Yum Brands? Uh, it it sounds difficult, but it's um very easy. Uh -huh. Um, I, I have the, the KFC and the Pizza Hut and Taco Bell for like, you know, 10 plus years now. Um, Habit is a new addition. We just started, um, March 1st last year. Okay. Um, but, uh, very good people since it's under one umbrella, uh, it's still like a company on its own. So you deal with different, uh, franchise coaches and market coaches, but everybody knows everybody. And, you know, they're really helpful. They're, they're always there. You call them, they'll pick up your calls. You need them, they'll come over if they need any help, any questions. Um, they do their, their yearly visits. Um, and even beside that, they're always like, you know, hey, do you need some help? Can we come over? Sure. You know, walk around with you, see if you need any help or mm -hmm. anything to enhance your uh, service or, you know, get yeah. some customers in your store and you know the thought of a, a, when you deal with company like yum brand they have unlimited amount of money to to support their um 
their their franchise franchisees and knowledge and you know it comes it's like there's no tomorrow yeah well that's a good point tell me how did young brands support their franchisees during covid because those were some tough times for some locations and some brands um as we kind of talked about before the call you know some places did really great with drive throughs some that don't have drive throughs not so much and depending which state you were in um can you tell us a little about about what yum did for for the franchisees yeah so i can i can speak um like as far as the business though i can speak for for los angeles and california but as far as yum um when the COVID started like the first month or so nobody knew what was going to happen yeah um we had to like the three of my stores, like I said, it's the Universal, it's a KFC and a Pizza Hut. It's like a dual brand. Mm-hmm. And next to it is a Taco Bell. And then one door over is Habit Burger. Well, it wasn't opened um, in March uh, 2020 when COVID happened. We had barely shook hands and we were going to, you know, sign the franchise agreement and the lease. And, you know, once it was going to build, we were going to open before the Halloween Horror Nights, which is around end of September. Right. So that's when our busy season starts after summer. So COVID happened and, you know, uh, the restaurant, the two restaurants, the Taco Bell and the KFC Pizza had, had to be closed because LA County um, closed park and park was closed, the city walk was closed and we had to be closed and, you know, riots happened and all that stuff. And Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the good thing that Yum came and said, hey, look, you know what? Um, it, it's going to be tough, but nobody knew. Nobody knew that QSR is going to flourish like crazy. Right. Uh, it's a sit-down restaurant that got hurt. So the right away, they said, look, hey, don't worry about paying royalties. You know, we'll worry about it later, you know. And a month later, the, the business was booming. But, you know, they never came back and said, hey, hold on. Now you're making money. You got to pay. Yeah. Not asked once, and I was like on my just two stores. I took the advantage of it, and you know, took a break for a couple months, and you know, I ended up paying them. But you know, they were very supportive of it. They didn't like call me and say, "Hey, can you send us some money now? You're open," or right uh, things like that. And you know, everybody was like working from home, like the market coach and area coaches and stuff, and they'll constantly get on a Zoom call with you and um, tell you if you need anything or national. KFC calls and Taco Bells, there was one going on every week. They were updating you, hey, this state is doing this, you should do that, or um, California is doing this, and they should do that. Taco Bell is doing this, okay, so you should do that. I mean, there was a lot yeah. of, like, uh, I wouldn't say back and forth, but passing of information within the system. Sure. I think that's great, right, having the multiple brands so you can share the information across brands, like you say. Yeah, and then that was, like, I've been in the system for around 20 years, and always felt it was a good thing, but like, you know, sometimes you see it and it's like, wow, okay, you know what, this is it. And yeah. all the information that was flowing and the support from Yum, I'm like, you know what, I, I think I made the right decision. Even like, I don't know, I just hard to explain, but it was really good. Sure. So now we're, we, we earlier talked about some of the challenges in hiring and obviously you have um, a very challenging market place to find help in, in terms of quick serve, usually younger, usually transient people coming and going in terms of the longevity in which they stay. What do you do to help find and keep help in your restaurant? Um, so one of the restaurants that um, I have in Oceanside, it's 
it wasn't as uh, problematic. Um, I bought the restaurant about three years ago and pretty much everybody that had worked there still works with me. Um, the manager's been there, you know, 30 years. Great, great team, great crew. Um, try to get new people, it was kind of hard. Uh, but throughout the company, uh, we had issues hiring people. Keeping it, it wasn't, I mean, yeah, there, you know, people will leave you for 25 cents, 50 cents. And, and what it really hurts is like, they will not come and tell you, hey, Sean, you know what? Or to my manager, hey, look, the guy down the street is going to pay me 25 cents more. Right. And, you know, you want to pay me that? I'll say, they'll just won't even come to work. They're like, oh, I already got another job. Come on, yeah. you could just ask, right? Um, retaining it, you know, it's, it's, everybody knows in the QSR business, you know, every dollar counts, every right. point counts in percentage. So if I were to give a, like a 50 cent raise to each employee and you got like 20 employees and now you're paying 50 cents, which is fine, but they're not getting 50 cents. They're probably only getting like 30 cents out of it. Yeah. Because you pay payroll taxes. You got to pay workers' comp insurance. And it never ends there. So what, right. what we did is like, okay, fine. You know, we're going to pay you a little bit more. But at the same time, what we did is a few months in a row, we would go to Walmart and buy Walmart gift cards for like $25 or $50. And every month we'll, you know, I'll walk in there and I say, hey, you know what? Thank you for your hard work. Nice. You know, you're supposed to work this much, but now you're working this much, you know, appreciate your hard work, you know, stuff like that. Or, or, you know, tell them, Hey, you know, what, go to the pizza hut and, you know, get, get yourself a free, free meal or tell pizza people to go to Taco Bell and get a free meal today or, you know, vice versa, stuff like that. Awesome. So, yeah, we did that. And, you know, when um, we have franchise calls for the local cases in Southern California, everybody would share, you know, their, <clears throat> their stuff and somebody will give him, like I said, gift cards, somebody will do raffles and somebody will do meal coupons or, you know, stuff like that. So that's, so it's not, it sounds to me like you're doing a great job of building a, a culture there that mm-hmm. people, once they get hooked, they don't want to leave you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely, um, you, you, you hit the point right there. Uh, but again, a lot of people, sometimes some people like, you know what, I don't need a card. I need 25 cents more. And like I said, somebody yeah. offered them another job and they'll go. Yeah. And some of them they end up coming back because they didn't like it or they only gave me, you know, 15 hours instead of you were giving me 30 hours a week, you know. That's right. Like that. Uh, I mean, when you're dealing with teenagers or younger generation people, they, they don't look at the bigger picture. They just see, okay, what am I getting it today? Sure. Uh, sure. And, and me being in their shoes years ago, at this point, it kind of concerns me that, that what's going to happen 20 or 30 years from now when they're older and mm-hmm. they, they, didn't, they don't have a habit of sticking to something that could really take him to the next level, the level after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that's what's interesting with the franchise model. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. if you have the right franchise owner, you can shed a light to some of those young people about, look what you can do within these systems, right? And grow right. within the business. Um, Elizabeth, I'm sorry, I thought I saw you wanted. Yeah, to. well, I, I wanted to dig a little deeper on that point that you came up through the system. You you've been where these teenagers are when you were a teenager and worked your way up. So I have two two points. One is what what lessons did you learn from being in their shoes that can help you navigate some of this that you're talking about? And also, when in that process did you decide that your goal was going to be to own these franchise locations? 
Well, one thing I would tell everybody that if you want to be successful in life, you know, you you got to set your priorities. Um, you're not, you can just call them sick when you're scheduled to work and your friend comes, hey, let's go hang out, you know, and you call them sick. We, we, we didn't have that. Yeah. Um, in the 80s, there were, the, the laws are different, the rules are different. You know, you call somebody, say, hey, I'm not going to come to work today. Or, you know, you're supposed to start like in an hour. The owner will tell you, hey, if you're not coming today, don't come back to work. Yep. Nowadays, you can't. You will get yep. sued. And so what with these, a lot of things have changed over the years. And, and the younger generation needs to understand that, hey, look, you, your education is very important. But you got to be street smart at the same time. There, I have friends, their kids are graduated from Ivy League and have no clue what to do. Yep. And my employee, my managers are making more money than that with no education. I mean, it's, it's, there, it, it doesn't matter what you do in life. Hard work is important. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. Know, back in the day, if you're short, you tell the employee, hey, can you work a couple hours extra? Not a problem. We'll never hear no. Now it is, oh, no, I have a ride. I got to go. I have clients with my friends. Well, you know what? I don't know what to say. That's, yep. and that's, that's, that's worrying me is with these people that 20, like the, I said, 20, 30 just turn out, what are, what, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I go through that with my me. son. My son says, oh, no, mom, I want to come and I want to, I uh, said, so, you know, you, I got these vacuums, they're brand new, they're not dirty, they need to be built and, you know, I'll pay you to do it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, I, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And then the day comes, okay, we need to go get the thing. Oh, I got hockey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, all right. Now then tomorrow, well, Oh, I got this. Oh, I got, I'm like, okay, listen. So guess what? I hired somebody else, somebody that goes to school to do it. And now he's like, oh, they took my money. Guess <laughs> what? They're willing to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you. So, so when you initially came, you went right into a franchise model. Your grandfather owned a restaurant in Pakistan. Did you ever consider opening a restaurant that wasn't a franchise? Um, I always thought about it, but I'm not a chef. I mean, I, I can take a recipe from, like I said, from KFC and learn how to make chicken and make it. Yeah. But am I an inventor? No, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing I know is how to make coffee. I mean, I make the best yeah. coffee from Keurig or, or, you know, one of those coffee machines. <laughs> but exactly. If yeah. I can, you know, make a whole meal, probably not. I can barbecue, but. Sure. Uh. I don't know. I can't remember. Somebody said, hey, why invent when you have something to just follow it? That is uh, a, Some people will say, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, I think that's, that's the essence of franchising, right? Yes. They, they, they have the recipe down. They have the procedures down. They have the support. They have the marketing. They have the, the, the people to teach you how to control your costs. They have classes. They have workshops. They have sessions. I mean... To me, at least, why bother? I have friends, they own restaurants, and they've done pretty well, and over the years, they've not done so well. Right. Uh, brands like KFC or Taco Bell or Pizza Hut or, like you said, Domino's and McDonald's or, you know, these brands are here for years and years, and it'll be here years and years from now. I mean, their new brands will come. I don't want to name anything, but yeah, at the end of the day, these are like the iconic brand of america they're always going to be here like like yep. 
you can take a two-year-old or three-year-old and drive them down the street. They're not going to know this pizza or this chicken. They're going to see carnal and they're going to know KFC or they're going to see McDonald's. That's right. Right? Like, yeah. So, and, and, and the reason is that is, is there's so many smart minds behind these brands to, to spend the kind of money they, they, they can and to have the knowledge of doing the marketing the right way and, and get into every household or, you know, I mean, you go to another country, you know, like you go, even I go to Pakistan, you know, I will go to restaurants over there, but you got to go to McDonald's in, in Pakistan. You know? <laughs> Why not? I mean, damn, I'm eating that Pakistani food. And yeah. you do. Yeah. Like I took my kids four years ago and uh, we were in Dubai and, you know, hey, so many good food, but we had to go to Starbucks. We had to go to McDonald's. That uh-huh. on, that's a one meal at McDonald's. It, it, and were they the same? Did they, they have their own twist on? Uh, it, it's pretty much 90% they're the same. They have a couple items that are on the menu that are there and not here. Like some okay. country, uh, McDonald's will have like pizza okay. on the menu. Um, same thing with, uh, with KFC. They have rice bowls in right. other countries, um, especially in China. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they're... They, they cater to the to the crowd that's in that country or in that region, you know, okay. and they twist the menu according to that. You know, our audience, um, we, we were surprised to find that we have a lot of people from other countries that listen to the show. And you touched on a point about some of these franchises um, being overseas. And obviously you travel as well and you're from a different country. There are lots of opportunities for people to come to the United States through the E2 visa program. Um, and start businesses here with franchises. What kind of advice or feedback or thoughts would you give to people who are listening and considering that path? Uh, I would tell them that invest their money wisely mm-hmm. um, to get qualified for a brand and buy a restaurant. It's relatively, I would say easy, but it's not difficult. As long as you have the network and the cash to do it, you mm-hmm. you may not get in LA. You may get like in the small town outside Los Angeles, you know. Yeah. But to operate that brand, it's no joke. It's That's not right. anymore. Not not like it used to be. Um, there's the brands have got a lot stricter. Um, three or four times a year, we have unannounced inspections. Uh, uh, their VOCs, uh, voice of customers, you know. Back in the day, if your meal's not right, you know, they'll walk over, they'll come back to your store and, you know, apologize and you get them another food or, you know, stuff like that. Now it's like they'll make a call. The call goes to corporate and you get an email. Then, you know, they'll get a refund. Now you're going to answer back. Yeah. And there are a lot of good things that come out of it. But yeah. at the same time, it, it it's, has become difficult. It's not like you go in the morning, you open the door and your cook comes in and cooks some chicken and you, you know, stand in the front and you sell and you move on. Yeah. There, uh, health department have got stricter uh, pest sure. control and, you know, uh, like I said, you corporate inspection, city guy will come in, the fire department will come in, you know, hey, make sure you, sure. you get your fire extinguisher, you know, recharge. So back in the day, nobody would, they, they, nobody cared. Like, not that they yeah. cared those, like I said, times have changed. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, and I think that's true with um, many brands, and part of that is just to protect the franchise models in general, right? Yeah. 
know, everybody's protective of their brand, but, you know, I think that for people who are savvy from a business perspective and they have the ability to invest and they're able to follow a system and, you know, they understand what it is to create a culture of inclusion, um, you know, a franchise model is probably much easier, I would think, for them to come over than to come and then try to start a business from the ground up. Oh, um, definitely. You definitely. know. Have, you got to have uh, knowledge about the brand, knowledge about restaurant business. Um, like, if somebody's from Texas, comes to California and wants to open a new restaurant, he's going to go crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of different, as far as construction and ADAs and like that. Texas is different. Florida is different. Yeah. Uh, and this is just in the United States. Imagine somebody comes from Pakistan. Yeah. And, you know, he wants to open a restaurant and, you know, he goes to the health department and all these <laughs> things. He says, whoa, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to have your hot water at 110 degrees. If it's 109, if it's a strict inspector, yeah. it will close you down. We tell everybody, don't go to California. And Illinois is <laughs> the second least favorite place. That's where I am, right? Because taxes are high. Work comp is high. The government's difficult to deal with. Go anywhere but those two states. <laughs> I know. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the first thing. Go to, go to a state where it's business friendly. Yes. And then, you know, pick, it, pick the right brand. I mean, if you feel that's that right. the KFC is best for you, hey, might as well, you know, go apply and you know, if you're worthy enough and you have financials, they'll, you'll, they'll approve you. That's or right. if you feel that McDonald's, which is hard to get nowadays, but other brands like uh, Domino's or like you said, uh, Chick-fil-A, you know, work with them for three years and they'll put money and they'll give you your own store. Yep. There, yep. there are a lot of brands like that that will invest in you. Um, I can't remember. I just saw another ad the other day that you can invest 10000 and be an owner operator of a franchise and they'll put the money in I was stake or shake or stake something. I don't know what it was. Yeah. So well, and people can always call us and work with us to help help match a brand with their interests, their budgets, and what their long-term goals are too. That's obviously one of the things we do and we help mentor people. But Sean, how would somebody get a hold of you? Um, aside from obviously all your information is going to be posted here on the show. Um, but how would they reach you if they'd like to? Uh, well, I'm on the LinkedIn. They can contact me through LinkedIn. Um, I can, you know, you can put my email address on on your uh, on the link. They can email me, and if, if I can help in any way, you know, I will. I mean, helping is not a, not bad, you know. It's not an issue. It's a teamwork is very important. Uh, you know, I mean, I could do whatever I want how much money I could spend, but if I don't have people around me to to yep. make it happen, then, I mean, what is it good for? That's right. That's right. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show. It is an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and I can't wait to get out there and try some Habit Burger because Please. we don't <laughs> we don't have them, and I'm, I love burgers. Oh, this, you, once you eat Habit, you'll forget. I mean, trust me. I... <laughs> Excellent. Well, and, and, you know, who doesn't like going out to city walk? So, so that's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So thank you again, Sean. A wonderful story. Congratulations to you on all your success. And we'll look forward to catching up with you again in the future.
Thank you. Thank you. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westbine with a y.com. Hey, Karen, what's going on? Hello, David. <laughs> that was a fascinating <laughs> interview with Sean. Um, holy smokes. If anybody listening and they're part of the great resignation, if that doesn't ignite them to say, hey, this guy came all the way from Pakistan, didn't have a single connection anywhere, and now look at him. If, if, if someone's afraid to do something after listening to that story, then they're just holding themselves back. Kelly Green, I was thinking about, you know, I was seeing some, I don't have the stat right in front of me, but where a lot of people are saying, you know, the great resignation, everyone talks about it and all these, especially I think the um, people that are in, in the, their younger years, you know, I, I don't even want to call, you know, high potential people or the young people, and they, they keep changing jobs and they keep looking for the right job and they become dis, disenchanted. And so I think that's what's happening where, you know, Sean was talking about it's the stick to or whatever where we would get something right early on and be like, okay, I'm going to stick with this. And it just seems like it's not that way. So I'm hoping it goes back <laughs> the other way, you know, of where, where, you know, where, where people will stick with the job because they're going to realize by jumping around, it's kind of sort of the same thing. <laughs> it's kind of sort of the same thing. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the thing is, is again, that's, again, you know, I'm, I'm one of the, I'm one of the people that'll say, you know, Every generation has said something about the generation behind. Them. I know. Right. I mean, my dad. I still remember my dad when I was a kid. Oh, kids today don't want to work, and I'm sitting there going, we're busting our butt. But so every generation has that viewpoint. So I'm not saying it's totally bad. I, I think it's just like this. We have to adapt to, to to this generation because they're the largest population in the, yeah. in the in the country in the world right now. And I'm not saying they're totally wrong. If you're if they're doing it for the purpose of hey. I want to really find out what I want to do in my life. Cool. Go do it. Um, but, but, but there is that little bit of stick-to-itiveness to say, Hey, okay, now layer in the other things of, of, you know, doing things the right way. And maybe that person who you're working for can help you find a new path. And if you don't create and, and explore those connections with people who you, who are already in your life, you know, even if it's a manager or owner, you know, I'm sure so, after listening to Sean, hey, if somebody says, hey, tell me your story. I want to do what you did. Sean's going to go, cool. Let's sit down and create a path for you. Absolutely. And one of the things that, that I've been thinking a lot about is this, like you, you call it the great resignation. It's a two-way street. Yeah. Y'all own it, right? It's, it's the business owners, you know, franchise owners. We own a part of it and really kind of instilling in the employee, they own a part of it too. So it really is a two-way street. 
and having more of that conversation versus everyone's leaving. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's a good point. And, and I know this we're going to talk about anyways, but it, it's a layer of stress that, that we're going to talk about here yeah. that, that can go away if it's handled properly. And, you know, that situation, I mean, now the manager's stressed that the, the other members of the, of, of the crew have stress because now all of a sudden they're shorthanded. The owner's wondering, you know, how, now we got to go spend some more money, try to find some more people to come in. And meanwhile, and, and, and that person who left not only is creating that kind of stress within the business, but they're incurring that in themselves too, because now they're going and learning, have to adapt to a whole new environment, a whole new business, a whole new situation. It, it's, it's kind of silly when you think about it. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was reading the other day that uh, study, and there's always study, but there's a study that, that really in 2022, and nearly half of the uh, adults in the U.S. had talked about how stress had negatively impact, affected their behavior. And it was talking about personally and professionally. I thought I was surprised it was 50%. I thought it'd be more like 80% because so many people, I think they're, they're so stressed now. And you're right in the work environment when you have that stress. And then if you don't handle it well, that's where people start feeding off of it. And it just really creates a, a very negative environment, with, which then causes people, to, causes people to leave, A. And then, B, it causes the, the franchise owner um, a lot of, you know, when you think about it, the impact of it is they're irritable. Sometimes that's me. <laughs> it's irritable. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, sick. Um, you know, if you think about just fatigue you know, all the physical parts of it, which can lead to even much more life-threatening, um, you know, uh, impact as well. And I think sometimes as we're going through having the stress and how we're dealing with it, uh, we're not thinking about all of those, I guess, all of those effects and how much it can impact us, uh, our health, our businesses. Karen, that's an excellent point. And, and, but while you were saying that, I, I was thinking in the back of my mind, they call stress the silent killer, Yeah. right? How many people are experiencing stress and don't even realize it? Absolutely. Because we're so busy, right? We're so busy with, oh, my gosh, it's COVID. Oh, no, now it's right now. Now it's the um, Ukraine. Now it's right now it's inflation. <laughs> Go from one thing to the next thing, you know, and all the impact. You're right. And I think people don't stop and think about it many times until they have something that happens. <laughs> and, and they're like, okay, well, I need to, I need to get a check on that. Yeah, and, and sometimes they're experiencing stress, and because they are so accustomed to it, they don't realize the warning signs. And, and, and I'll speak from personal experience. In, in when I left my corporate job when years and years and years ago to start you know, my own business, I didn't realize it, but I had this tightness in my neck on the back, and I just thought that was normal. So no big deal. I couldn't really move my neck, but there's this tightness here all the time. And uh, when I put in my six month resignation or whatever letter. And I came back after I put turned that in and sat at my desk. I realized all that tension was gone from my neck. And so I sit there and I always think about that when they say the silent killer, I always think about I was learning to live with that stress, that incongruence in my body. Who knows what other impact it had had or might have continued to have if I wouldn't have made that change. So I think, I think in a lot of cases, if it's to that, to that study's point, there's a lot of people roaming around out there that are, that don't realize the stress they're under. Absolutely. And I've been spending a lot of my time over the past, past couple of years, 
working with people, educating them on, on how, to, how to deal with stress. Because sometimes, you know, people think stress is negative, and a lot of times it is negative. But how we handle it, we can actually turn it into, into positive. And because if there's a positive stress on our, with our mindset and how we handle it, it can be good. It can be productive. It can, it can, you, can have, you can be creative with it because you can kind of turn it around. And, and there are certain techniques and certain things that we all can do to also reduce that, that negative stress. Uh, so, uh, that, uh, that's interesting. Sean, go right ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're talking about stress. And, yes, as a business owner, as adults, we have these stress. But beyond that business stress, we have the stress of our family. Yeah. You know, kids are growing up. You know, are they going to make it in life? I mean, are they going to go to college? What college are you going to go? How much tuition are you going to be able to help them out with? What kind of loans are they going to get? They're, you know, my daughter just came back from Baylor. Four years she was in Texas. I mean, we were worried, like, would something happen to her? You know, those, those additional stress, it's not easy. You know, once they're done with college, okay, now what? Is she going to go for master? Is she going to go to med school? Where is she going to go? She's going to go local. She's going to Caribbean. I got two more kids, you know? So where are they going to go? You got to take AP classes, you got college classes. It's like on and on and on. It's a story for us, you know. <laughs> and, and they said, "No, Dad, don't worry." I said, "No, I have to worry because what if I'm not there tomorrow? You know, what if something happens? What are you gonna do?" Yeah, that's true. That's so, good point. Uh, it's 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 hits at home when you talk about stress. You know, it's like, yeah. And everybody has like these stress. Somebody takes it you know, to the next level and be more worried. Somebody, some parents, like, yeah, it will happen, you know, but it's there. It is. So it's how there. about if I give you it's a there. few ideas? I can, I can help. Karen, that's, a, that's <laughs> what I was just going to say. Karen, how do you take that stress and turn it into something positive? I have, uh, I have, there's so many. Uh, because I think, and, and, and it really depends upon who you are, on which method. But I'm going to share with you three of my favorites. It's funny, David, I actually ended up almost in the hospital. I was flat on my back and about 20 years ago. Uh, wow. I, you know, long, long story, but I ended up where I was not handling my stress well and had a kind of a life-threatening moment. And, and so that's when I'm like, I need to get a grip on this. This is crazy. So a few things. One would be very simple and it does work. Have you heard of box breathing? Yes. Okay. That's a simple one. But that's one when a lot of times when I get in a moment where because I'm type A, I'm working, I'm moving, if something happens where it kind of can kind of pick me off, I stop. And box breathing is where you literally breathe out, count to four, breathe in, count to four, breathe out, count to four. Okay, now that sounds really silly, but if you try it, what it does is it gets you out of that emotional, your emotional brain, it gets you back more in your logical brain, and you can actually feel like the whole mind-body connection, kind of crazy. And that's one yeah. of the things that I'll do a lot of times if I get myself kind of kind of whipped out. And, and it just I'll just stop and go, okay, breathe. Karen, so that's, that's an excellent tool. I've, I've used that. I've used it in a little different area where I've inhaled for X number of seconds, held yeah. for the same amount of seconds, exhaled same amount of seconds, yeah. held again. So, you know, really creating a box. But either yeah. way, um, everybody has some different techniques, but that's an excellent one. I, I highly recommend that one for sure. And then, Sean, you were talking about the whole worry because I'm the same way. Oh, my gosh, you started talking about it. I could feel my blood pressure going up, especially with kids. And, and their problems get bigger, don't they, as they get older. 
You know, they really, they really do. And, and when I think about franchise owners, that they're new franchisees, you know, even, even before that, you're making all these decisions, right? And there's all this stuff in your head. And so one of the things, it's the worry, you know, where we're worrying and worrying. So one of the things that another technique, and, and it's actually a, a technique that is in Dale Carnegie's book, How to Stop Worrying and Stop Living. So anybody that really is a big worrier, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great book. And one of the things, it's, it's about the, the worry, and it talks about conquering it. And it's writing it down. Actually, there's something about physically writing, writing it down. What am I worried about? You take your kids. What am I worried about? What can I do about it? Which a lot of times isn't very much, right? <laughs> and then, but, but it is about then, what can I do about this? And then decide what you can do about it and then make that decision. Because what happens with the worry, it just keeps swirling around in our brain. And it, it doesn't go anywhere except to cause more and more stress. That's awesome. That 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 yeah. probably brings into focus the old, you know, um, if you can't control it, don't worry about it. I mean, and then when you write it down, that kind of hits you right it, in the face. It does. It does. It does something to your brain. So yes. And then one last one. One the one last one I love it is the date type compartment and living your life in mm-hmm. date compartments because we get and again if you have a lot on your plate, they start franchisees. You know, they're hiring people, keeping people. You've got this, this, this life of all these different things happening. How can I get it all done? And then you start worrying about the future. And so living in daytight compartments is don't worry about the past. And even though you need to prepare for the future, focus a lot on today and what you, could, what you can do today for the very best. This just happened to me in the middle of the night last night. I have a lot going on right now. I, I missed last week due to my mom's illness. And so I had a lot. And I'm like, okay, all this stuff was swirling around. And I thought, okay, what can I do right now? What are the key things I'm going to do, you know, uh, today that can get me through it? And it's amazing how that really does also de-stress me as well, because then I'm just looking at that moment in time and knowing, okay, well, the rest of the stuff's going to have to wait. So that's another thing that I found by living in daytight compartments works really well for me as well. Awesome. So to to wrap up, to summarize, three three good keys Karen laid on us, right? Box breathing. Find what works for you and what time length, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, living in day type compartments was number three. And number two, though, was, was the one that was interesting. I know you would love to spend more time on it. And that is writing down um, the things that you're worried about and all the benefits from that. But for lack of time, those of you that are listening, explore further with three great techniques that can help you start to eliminate stress from your life. So thank you very much, Karen. That was awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Great advice from Karen. We are all dealing with a lot of stress uh, these days, and it it never seems to end. So stopping and taking some time to reflect and and employ those techniques is going to be very helpful. Um, We want to thank her as usual and also give her another mention for her um, Lunch and Learn Tomorrow. So you're a franchisee, now what um, is the title? And we are going to uh, be talking about how to find the right people and put them in the right roles at the right times in your business. Um, and she'll have some meaty, helpful information. We also want to thank our two sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising and the Franchise Show 247 uh, for their sponsorship and their contributions. Also check out articles from them in the magazine. Up next, we're going to get some updates on David um, and his uh, the Joint Chiropractic Opening, which is coming up pretty quickly. Woohoo! David. Wow. What's happened? Box breathing. <laughs> it's awesome. Great. Yeah. 
You know, I'll tell you, even sometimes just doing some meditative breathing is like, okay, I find myself doing it more and more as, uh, as Sean said, with um, a daughter going off to college and two more boys that some days they're checked in and some days they're really not, you know, things get a little bit crazy. So I appreciate those tips that the two of you gave because um, I'm sure to use those every single day. Yeah, uh, so let's Aaron. talk about stress. Okay, so here you are. You're between Ohio and Florida, and you're opening the joint chiropractic under construction amidst the pandemic, amidst chaos in getting supplies in the right. state of Michigan. Like in Michigan, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, because because I because I, I don't want to do anything easy, and because no. it'd be mm-hmm. different, right? Yeah. So I, I, I ran into my um, my old business partner. Um, we saw him over the last couple of weeks, and somebody asked me, "So what, what's what's Dave doing now?" And he goes, <laughs> "Man, he's opening up another business. It's in his DNA. He's never going to stop." So they had a good laugh over that. But but here's the thing: um, it is a great opportunity, and you have to go in with your eyes open to know that, as I've said before, everything is going to cost more than you think it's going to cost. It's going to take longer than you think it's going to take. And it's not going to be easy because if it was easy, everybody else would have already been doing it. And so are we running into some troubles? Yes. So this is, this is good for the listeners. I mean, yes, we bought a franchise. Yes. There's policies and there's procedures and, and, and there's everything set up. It doesn't mean it's going to go smooth. That's right. So roll back. I mean, this is still, I started exploring 14 months ago. We're still not open. So for those of you looking for a business, this can take time. Understand it doesn't happen overnight. Now, some could if you're not sure. doing a brick and mortar. But so by the time we, we signed a contract and by the time we're moving forward and now it took us some time to get a contract or now it's, it took us some time to get permitting. Now we're in the construction phase. Awesome. This is where it's totally different for me now. We've been interviewing chiropractors. Well, we finally just hired a part-time one, but we can't open until we get a full-time one. And I've interviewed some for full-time positions. And when I ran the restaurants, if people applied and interviewed for the job, (laughs) I assume like they wanted the job if I offered it to them. Well, this is a whole different deal. This is waiting three weeks going back and forth going, yeah, I've changed your mind. I'm not really, don't really want to take the job. I'm like, Uh holy cow. And we only have a couple of positions. So right. if if I'm waiting on a contract, which just happened to us, and they decide to drag it out for three weeks, and it seems very congenial at the time and cordial and everything's moving in the right direction. And then they say, uh, I'm going to stay where I'm at. Right. Now the clock starts ticking again. So our target was April 1st. We're not going to hit that okay. um, because, let's face it, it's St. Patrick's Day. Right. So that's two weeks away. It's going to take us, even if someone applied today, by the time we go through it a couple of weeks, by the time we go through some training and go through the rest of the build out, we're going to be past it. So a word of caution to everybody listening. Will I pay my third month of rent April 1st? Yes. Yeah. And there's no revenue coming in, but you have to do it. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not stressing it. If 28 years ago, I would have been out of my mind, yeah. which I was because we opened four months later in my original business. But now I understand it. So it doesn't stress me as much. And I prepared for it financially to make right. sure, well, if we open late, do I have enough money to pay the rent? Right. So it's going to happen. And you can't stress it because 
if you do it right, you're not going to miss those two, four, six weeks anyway. Yeah. So David, but if you, you rush find, it, it could be bad. Did you find that you kind of had to go from, uh, you know, kind of plan backwards? Okay, so if I want to open on this day and it takes four weeks of training and it takes me two weeks to hire, you kind of have to work backwards, right? Yeah, you sure do. But in this case, it's a little bit unique because we're a membership-based model. So, there's, you know, we want to, if I was opening up a restaurant, we can start putting a coming soon, coming soon, coming and right. get everybody excited. And we open now, open, we open the doors. With this, we're, we're, one of our marketing campaigns is come in and get a, a free exam adjustment, you know. Um, so we don't want to market it too early. And then all of a sudden it's, they're like two months later going, when's this place ever going to open? Yeah. So, but, but we can't time it up until we get the, until we get the chiropractor on board and trained. So it's kind of a unique business model, which everyone that, you know, everyone's going to be, yeah. but it was a good learning experience for me. But again, we go back to, to the stress and, and, you know, it could really affect me if I didn't know what was coming. Sure. And that's why I love that we're doing this segment for the people who are listening to know if this happens to you, it's not a franchisor's fault. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's nobody's fault. It just happens, right? Stuff happens, as they say. So, Absolutely. Um, but, but, but you don't give up. You don't get discouraged. You keep doing the right thing and everything will work out. I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly confident of it. Um, and I'm not, I don't think 10, 15 years from now, I'm going to sit there and go, boy, if only we would have opened up three weeks earlier, right on yeah. time, everything yeah. would have been better. It, it, it's silly to even think that way. So to yeah. Karen's point, you know, if you're, if you're worrying about it, if you're stressed out, write it down. And if there's nothing you can do about it, let it go. Yeah, absolutely. Your circles of influence, right? Absolutely. <laughs> exactly well, right. I, you know, I think um, I'm really glad that we decided to, um, to have you and that you agreed to share this with us, with us, because I think that there are a lot of folks out there you know, one, one of which we know, uh, you know, Jackie Styles is out there and she's getting her next gen fitness um, model going. And, you know, she's had bumps in the road too and, and higher prices and delays in construction and all kinds of different things that happen. And so for people who are in, uh, you know, those shoes right now, just remain calm and, you know, listen, it, it's frustrating, yes, but it's nothing to go crazy over because mm-hmm. it will come. If you believe in the... If- if you believe if you believe in the business model, if you believe in the franchise, if you believe in yourself to lead a team to, to, to high performance, it really doesn't matter when you open. Yeah. Sean, I see that you have a comment. Can, go ahead. Yeah, I, um, our corporate is telling us that on the new bills, um, add at least 30 to 40 percent more in the cost. Ah, yeah, um, I can see and, that. And time. Um, Nowadays, uh, like leases that we're negotiating right now is uh, we're telling the landlord to give us, uh, normally they'll give you 90 days or 120 days from the day you sign the lease. Now we're saying, okay, we'll take six months from the time we get our permits. Because once you get your plans done, you don't know how long it's going to take at the city. Yeah. County, they're, they're, take, they're out eight to 12 weeks. Sure. And some yeah. of the places where you get your equipment, you know, that, that stuff could be on a boat for a while. Yeah, one of our good, very good franchise partners, they're, they're opening a new KFC in Barstow. The, the whole restaurant is ready, except they can't get some of the electrical components for the building. And it could have been open in November, but she can't open until April or May because 
can put the electrical panels in there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Different, different issues. So suggestion to everybody, you know, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate with the landlord. Yeah, absolutely. And they, know, they know the issues that are going on. Yep, yep. So everybody out there, you just have to be patient. As David said, believe in the model you have and know that in the end, it will all work out and uh, no reason to to freak out, but you have to be ready for it. So. And, may, and maybe next week, I'll, if I'm up there and we'll shoot from location, you can see all the stacked up boxes and construction dust. <laughs> so, you, so you know exactly what so you know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> David, thank you again. Sean, we appreciate your input on all this stuff because you know it doesn't matter the industry, we're all in this together. So we appreciate your feedback. Uh, again, we want to thank all of you for joining us on the show today, especially our guest, uh, Sean Sharif with Young Brands. Please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode. Thank you, as always, to Laura List with Brand Law. And always, and as always, excuse me, thank you to Ray Pillar, David Kajanik, and Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentors, for their insight and wisdom. Thank you to Karen uh, Kimsey Sword with Dale Carnegie. I'm Kristen Shelmetsy, your fourth million dollar mentor, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been Pillars of Franchising, and your dream starts here.